Well, good morning, folks, and it's good to be with you. If you want to turn to your Bibles uh, to Genesis chapter 37, please. Genesis chapter 37. just want to thank those of you who have been praying for us as we go out on the doors on, on, on uh, Tuesday. And we've been in contact with a lot of folks on the doors. And I just ask you to continue to pray for those folks and pray for the conversations we have with them and the lit- literature that has left that the Lord will use it uh, to see them saved. Also for the open air, we thank those of you who have come and supported us and, and uh, prayed for us. We appreciate that. Let's just turn to Genesis chapter 37 and we'll just commence reading at verse 1, please. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with his sons of Bildad and the sons of Zilpah his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a tunic of many colors. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably with him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There there we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars bow down to me. So he told his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I bow down, and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him. His father kept this matter in mind. Just end this verse 11. We'll just have a brief word of prayer before we look at this passage. <clears throat> we praise you, Father and God, that you love us and you care for us. We thank you, Lord, that you have a plan and a purpose for each of our lives. And Lord, as we just look at the life of Joseph this morning, we just pray you help us to learn something from it. Uh, just take the few thoughts I will bring and use them for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if you have a favourite book in the Bible, but for me, the book of Genesis would be certainly one of my favourites. I love to look at the different characters that are mentioned in the book of Genesis. And as I said, I just want to look at uh, Joseph this morning. I don't know if you realise it, but over a quarter of the book of Genesis is taken up with the life of Joseph. Chapters 37 right through to chapter 50. And chapter 31, verses 22 to... Or chapter 30, verses 22 to 24, where his birth is mentioned. And we have to wonder why the, the writer of the book of Genesis, Moses, placed so much emphasis upon Joseph's life. The other books of the Pentateuch, Moses wrote from experience, but Genesis he would have heard from his mother. And we have to wonder, did his mother teach him the story of Joseph before he was taken into uh, Pharaoh's palace? The story of Joseph is the story of a young man who went from the pit to the palace, from rags to riches, so to speak. And as we look at Joseph, first of all, we see he was the favorite son. 
We see there from uh, chapter 37, verses 1 to 35. We see in verse 3 there, he was healed because he was the first child or son of Rachel, the woman that Jacob had fallen madly in love with. And he was the son of his old age. We all know the story of Jacob where he ran away from home because of a dispute with his brother, which lasted for over 20 years, a dispute with his brother Esau. He fled to his uncle Laban as uh, it became known to him that his brother was planning his murder after his father died. And then he, we read there in the Bible that he meets his first cousin Rachel at the well, her father's flocks, and he was smitten by her. It tells us in chapter 27, or chapter 29, sorry, and verse 17, it tells us that Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And it says in verse 18 of chapter 29 that Jacob loved Rachel. He's so taken with this young lady that he's willing to work for her father for seven years. He works for his father, her father Laban, his father-in-law Laban. But we read in the scriptures that his father-in-law changed the wages ten times upon him. But Jacob loved Rachel. And that love was known not only in the family circle, but even further afield. Jacob would have done anything for Rachel. We see there in chapter 29 and verse 10, when he meets her at the well, he rolls away the stone from the, the, the mouth of the, of the well. Chapter 48 and verse 7, we see there that Jacob speaks to Joseph about his mother's death shortly before he blesses uh, Joseph's sons and dies himself. Jacob, before his death, uh, is, remembers the grief he faced when he lost his beloved Rachel. And Joseph, Rachel's son, was the favorite one. He was favored above his half-sister Dinah, and he was favored above his half-brothers, perhaps even favored above his full brother, Benjamin. And as we look at this story here, we see Jacob's love was visible for all to see, as Jacob wore that coat of many colors that Jacob had given but as we look at Jacob's life, Jacob of all people should have known not to show favoritism. He, he didn't seem to learn from his own father's uh, favoritism and the problems it caused between him and Esau. Favoritism which left his brother with plans to kill him. So we see Jacob as the, or sorry, we see Joseph as the favorite son. He's loved by his fathers. He's absolutely hated by his brothers. Jacob's brothers could, or Joseph's brothers couldn't stand the sight of him. They hated him, and that beautiful coat was like a red rag to a bull. It made them so angry they planned to kill Joseph, the great-grandson of Abraham. It was a daily reminder of Jacob's special love he had for Joseph. And before we look at the reasons for their hatred and the results of that hatred, let's look at Joseph's background. Let's look at his pedigree, so to speak. His family situation. As I said, Joseph was the great grandson of Abraham, the friend of God. Joseph was brought up in an unusual family. He was the son of Rachel, the wife of Jacob. But his aunt Leah, Rachel's sister, was also married to Jacob. Leah had sons by, uh, by Jacob, who were Joseph's older half-brothers. And to confuse things even further... Jacob had children by Rachel's and Leah's servants, Bilhad and Zilpah. You see that there in chapter 35 and verses 23 to 27. To Leah was born Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar and Zebulun. To Rachel then, <coughs> Rachel gave birth to Joseph and to Benjamin. 
Bill had Rachel's servant. Uh, to her was born Dan and Naphtali. And then to Zilpha, Leah's servant, was born Gad and Asher. Rachel's, Joseph's mother, died in childbirth. We read that in, there in the scriptures. She, after she gave birth to Benjamin, she died. See that in chapter 35 and verse 18. See, Joseph's mother died sometime before his 17th birthday. Because we read in chapter 37 and verse 2 that uh, Joseph was sold by his brothers shortly after his 17th birthday. As we look at Joseph and as we look at his whole family situation, he's brought up in a very unusual home environment. There's friction between his mother and her sister Leah, who were both married to Jacob. Some would say that Joseph's family, if you're putting it, putting it in modern-day terminology, was a dysfunctional family. But Joseph never let his upbringing, he never let his past hinder his walk with God. And we should learn from that. We should never let our past, whether it be our family life or our sinful life or whatever, we should never let that hinder our walk with God. As we look at the reasons for uh, that he was hated by his brothers, we see there he was hated for two reasons. Because of Jacob's devotion to Joseph. He was loved more than any of the other children because he was born in his old age there we see in verse 3 of, of chapter 37. He was the son of his old age, it says there. Secondly, because of his dreams, Joseph was hated. Those dreams symbolically portrayed his brothers bowing down to him. It says in verse 8 there. Um, and his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams. They hated him before his, the, he revealed his dreams, but they hated him even more after that. So we see those two reasons why he was hated we see the results of that hatred. We see they made plans to murder him. They were treacherous, these young men. These men would have carried out that plan to murder Joseph. Because we need to remember they'd already committed murder. If we read back in chapter 34, they had already committed murder. In revenge, they killed the rapists of their half-sister Dinah and his family. And only Reuben, the eldest son, steps in here. Joseph, too, would have been killed. Instead of being murdered, he's thrown into a dry well or a pit, and he's left to starve to death. And they callously sit down and have a meal. In chapter 42 and verse 21, tells that they saw Joseph's anguish, and they ignored the pleading of their younger brother. These were hard men, tough men. And we see next, not only do we see the treachery of these men, we see the transaction. They sold Joseph. What did they sell him for? The price of a slave. They sold him to the Midianites, who sold him to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh. And then we, next of all, we see the trickery. From chapter 37 and verses 32 to 36, they bring home a blood-soaked coat, this robe, this robe of many colors. They bring it home to their father, knowing very well the very sight of it would break his heart. They killed the goat, they soaked the coat in blood, they tried to, to tell their father this lies. 
Verse 32 of chapter 37 is very interesting. They say, is this your sons? And you can almost feel the contempt for Joseph. Is this your sons? They don't say, is this Joseph's coat? Is this our brother's coat? No, is this your sons? And you can feel that the resentment and the hatred I had for him. Is this the coat of your blue-eyed boy, that your little favourite in the family? And Jacob, of course, wrongly assumes from the evidence, this robe covered in blood, that Joseph has been killed by a wild animal. In verse 34, Jacob goes into mourning. He tears his clothes and he puts on sackcloth. Jacob is brokenhearted. He's inconsolable. He refuses to be comforted. He, is, he believes his son, his beloved son, is lost, is dead. That precious son of the woman he loved, Rachel. And as we read verse 35 there of chapter 37, it's amazing how heartless and how wicked and how evil these brothers were. They pretend to comfort their father in his time of grief. These men were liars. They conspired together and kept the secret of what happened to Joseph for possibly 22 years. I don't know if any of you are mathematicians here, but if you do a little bit of maths, chapter 41, verse 46, it says, Joseph was 30 years old when he began to work for Pharaoh. Chapter 41, verse 48, tells us he worked for seven, there was seven years of good harvest. Then there was two years of famine, it tells us in chapter 45, verse 6. So you go 30 and 7 and 2 gives you 39, minus 17 when he was sold. Roughly 22 years of lying to their father. Joseph was approximately 39 when he met his father. And as we look at this story, it's doubtful if these men were Christians. They certainly do not display any likeness or any, any of the characteristics of being a Christian. They were liars. And we need to be careful that we are not liars because God will judge such activity. Make no mistake about it. In chapter 37 and verse 36, while all of this is going on, while all of this conniving and these men are planning, God's plan is falling into place. God is overruling and God is fulfilling his plan. God was with Joseph in every situation he faced. We see jo Joseph as the favourite son. But we also see him as a fav faithful servant. From chapter 37, verse 36, chapter 39, verses 1 to 20, we see Joseph's service. Joseph was sold to Potiphar, and soon he gained the trust of Potiphar. Potiphar found uh, Joseph to be faithful. He found him to be highly efficient to be trustworthy, to be honest, to be a capable young man with great leadership abilities and great qualities. And are these not some of the qualities that our employers are looking for today? Sad to say, some of these qualities are not present even among some believers. They are not trustworthy. They are not honest in their dealings. And when the boss is not around, they do precious little. Joseph could be trusted when nobody else but God was watching him. And we need to ask ourselves, as believers, can we be trusted when nobody but God sees what we're doing? Joseph knew, and all of us know, that any sin we commit, 
ultimately it is sin against God, our Heavenly Father. And he did not want to ruin that wonderful relationship and that fellowship he had with the great creator of this world. And we need to ask ourselves as believers this morning, how much do we value that relationship we have with our Heavenly Father? Do we value it enough to obey him, no matter what the cost? We see Joseph's service, but we also see Joseph's self-control. In chapter 39 and verses 7 to 20, Joseph faced a temptation that all of us as men face, no matter what age we are. We see a request comes to Joseph there in chapter 39 and verse 7. Potiphar's wife makes it abundantly clear what she wants and what was offered in her attempt to seduce Joseph, this man of God. Potiphar's wife was looked at Joseph with longing, lustful eyes. She looked at this young man who was somewhere between the age of 17 and 30 years of age. And no doubt he had inherited his mother's good looks. And as we look at this woman, she was a powerful woman. That's the first thing we notice about her. She was a powerful woman in this home. And she gave commands and she made demands upon Joseph, which he could not fulfill without sinning against Almighty God. This woman was in a position of influence in this home. She was not only a powerful woman, but I believe she was a promiscuous woman. I believe this wasn't the first time she tried this on with some of the servants. Other servants with lesser morals than Joseph probably would have succumbed to her advances. It is interesting how chapter 39 and verse 16 is worded. She waited until her husband came home. So in other words, if you read between the lines, she was up to no good when her husband was away. Like any a modern day wife. She was the Jezebel of the book of Genesis. She was a wicked woman. I don't know if any of you are Elvis Presley fans, but Elvis Presley has a song, Devil Woman. And one of the lines in that song is, you're the devil in disguise, oh yes you are. And Potiphar's wife was the devil in disguise. In Mark 11 and verse 18, we, re uh, we read, the scribes and the Pharisees sought how to destroy Jesus. This woman sought how to destroy Joseph. We see the request of Potiphar's wife. But next we see the refusal by Joseph. In chapter 39 and verse, 20, uh, verse 8 to 12, many times she tried to seduce this man of God, and many times he refused. She was not only powerful, promiscuous, but I believe she was persistent. In verse 7, we see the brave and confident nature of her approach. She, she was an experienced woman, I believe. She knew what she was doing. She makes it abundantly clear what she wants and what was on offer. And we dread to think what this man suffered at the hands of this woman. She was a wicked woman. And I am sure she dressed in a provocative manner like many of her modern day, like many a modern day equivalent. But in verse 9, Joseph says, How can I do this wickedness and sin against God? She persisted with her request there and tries to wear Joseph down, we read in verse 10. 
but he refuses to sin against God. He refuses to give in to her advances. Many another man without a second thought would have gladly taken her up on her offer, but not Joseph. Why? Because Joseph is God's man. And Joseph has got a heavenly perspective. And Joseph knows that one day he will stand before God and be judged by God. Joseph, in some respects, had a very unusual background. He was separated from his father and mother at the age of 17, or around that age anyway. He faced many trials in life, but he kept on being faithful to God. Someone, perhaps his mother Rachel, had instilled in his heart a love for God in young Joseph's heart, in Joseph's young heart. This young man had a love and he had a passion for God that sustained him through the trials of life. And I wonder, have we got that same love? And have we got that same passion? And I wonder maybe, have you ever even come to that place in your life that you've recognized you're a sinner? Recognize that you need God in your life? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you don't know God as your Savior, the way Joseph knew God. Joseph reminds, reminds us of Christ throughout his whole life. Even when he became wealthy and powerful, he kept his life right, pure or holy before his heavenly Father, right to the very end. And we would do well to follow Joseph's example. There are many who start off well, but when they get into the older, come into the autumn of their life, so to speak, or the winter of their life, they drift away from God. We need to keep on following that, as Joseph did. In verse 11 of chapter 39, Potiphar's wife seizes her opportunity. When they are alone in the house, she tries again to make Joseph sin against God. But this time he runs for his life. He lost his coat, but he kept his character and he kept his purity. This is the second coat or second robe that he's lost in wicked circumstances. But he keeps his character and he keeps his purity. In chapter 39, verses, 11 to, uh, verses 13 to 20, we see the revenge. The revenge of this woman, Potiphar's wife. She couldn't ruin his character, so instead she tries to ruin his good name. In verse 14, this woman blames her husband for bringing Joseph into the house. She speaks of her husband before the other men of the house. So we can, as we read between the lines here, there's not much love lost between Potiphar and his wife. In verse 17, she accuses her husband. The Hebrew, you brought to us. She's pointing the finger at her husband, blaming him. Verse 19, your servant, pointing the finger at her husband again. She waits until her husband comes home to make this accusation of rape against Joseph. And on the words of this wicked woman, this powerful woman, Joseph is condemned. He's thrown into prison. And in verse 21, we read those beautiful words. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Chapter 39, verse 21. And is it not wonderful to know this morning, the Lord was with Joseph in the pit, in the well, so to speak. The Lord was with Joseph in Potiphar's house. The Lord was with Joseph when he was thrown in prison. The Lord is with Joseph in, in, in the Pharaoh's palace. And we can have that same assurance. 
that the Lord is with us in every situation, no matter how desperate it may seem. God has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And because we have God with us, we can face anything that the devil throws at us. It says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. As we look at Joseph here, he illustrates the, the truths of Romans 8 and verse 28 and 29. All things work together for Joseph as he fulfilled his purpose, making Joseph Christ-like, conform to the image of his son. As we look at the life of Joseph, nowhere in scripture is Joseph called a type of Christ, but the comparisons are too many to be ignored and they're not accidental. As we look at them, both had a miraculous birth. Rachel was 90 years of age when she had jo Joseph. Both were especially loved by their fathers. Both were hated by their brethren. Both were promised thrones. Both were plotted against by their enemies. Joseph and Jesus were both sold for the price of a slave. Both were servants. Both were lied to about, uh, lied about and falsely accused. Both were made to suffer unjustly. Both forgave those who wronged them. Both were stripped of their robes. The first news about Joseph and Jesus were uh, alive, uh, were not believed. When they heard that Joseph was, was alive, they didn't believe it. When they, the disciples heard Jesus was alive, they didn't believe it. Both were tempted and victorious. Joseph had was in prison with two offenders, one of whom died and the other lived. Jesus was crucified between two offenders, one who trusted him and the other who didn't. Both were humiliated but eventually exalted. Joseph received a wife during his time of separation from his brethren. Jesus today is taking on to himself the bride, which is the church. Neither Joseph nor Jesus was recognized by their brethren at first. In Acts 7 and verse 13, Joseph was made known to his brethren the second time. So will the Lord Jesus be made known to his brethren when he returns again. And as Joseph's brethren and all Egypt bowed before him, before Joseph, so every knee shall bow before King Jesus. As I look at the life of Joseph this morning, in, in contrast to his brothers, there's a huge difference. And we need to ask ourselves, as people look upon us, do they see a difference? Joseph bore the likeness of Christ. And we need to ask ourselves, do we bear the likeness of Christ? Joseph was hated by many because he, he lived a righteous life. And the word of God tells us in Luke 21 and verse 17, Jesus said, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But we need to remember in closing this morning, God was with Joseph. And he has promised he will be with us. No matter what situation you're going through in life right now, no matter how difficult it is, 
Let us finish on those wonderful, comforting words. He will never leave us nor forsake us. God was with Joseph and God will be with us in whatever difficulties in life we face. Trust those few thoughts will be of encouragement and help to you. Can we just turn to our uh, closing hymn, please? <laughs>